All right. Well, hey, welcome everybody to our April 2022 meeting for the Google Educator Group of Ohio. Uh, this is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in Google Workspace from the last month, share Googly tips and tricks, and answer questions related to using Google tools in schools. Uh, hi, my name is Eric Kurtz, and I'm a tech integration specialist for the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium, or SPARC for short. Uh, we're an information technology center serving schools up in Northeast Ohio. And today I am joined by Stephanie and John. Stephanie, why don't you say howdy and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Howe. I am an instructional technology coach in Pickerington Local School District, um, which is close to Columbus. And then John, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, John Mansell Pladel, and I am with Northern Bark Education Council, and we like Eric um, operate uh, the Nawaka, which is an information technology center similar to Spark, and we're located in the four uh, counties of Northwest Ohio. Fantastic. So glad to have you with us today, John. John is one of our co-leaders, and uh, we have four co-leaders all together, and uh, just depends, you know, on our schedules as to who's available uh, each month. So I'm just so happy to, to have uh, such talented, wonderful educators helping out with this from month to month. Now, although all of us are from Ohio, and this is GEG Ohio, we do want to, of course, mention that this meeting is open to anyone in Ohio or outside of Ohio or internationally. As long as you have an interest in using uh, Google tools for education, we are happy that you are here with us. All of the resources for today's meeting can be found in our Google Doc. It is an editable agenda that uh, can be found on our GEG Ohio website at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. So if you have not pulled up that agenda yet, I would encourage you to do that. I'll drop a uh, link. To, I'll drop the link to that in the chat. Uh, just to make it a little bit easier for people that are here uh, with us. Uh, but you can always get back to this at, again, bit.ly slash GEGOhio. On the GEGOhio website, there's a link here for our monthly meetings. If you follow that link, that'll bring you to a page where you see a, um, uh, a grid or a table of all of the meetings. And you'll see here is today's April 28th. And right there is the agenda link. Uh, and of course, the link to the live video. Uh, next month will be May 20th. 26th, and there's the links for those as well. So this document is editable, and we would encourage you to please add things to this if you would like. Um, as we go down through the document, you'll see there's some spots that probably lend themselves to that. For example, the upcoming events section, if you're aware of any trainings or webinars or conferences that people should plug into, hey, please add them in there like many people have done. Thanks, Star, for putting in the Akali one. That's fantastic. Another section that would be awesome if you guys want to add things to is the show and tell section. Here's where you just share something interesting about, you know, technology or Google tools or you know, a neat new Chrome extension or blog post or whatever the case might be. Uh, we've got sections in there for, for each of us, but there's a spot in there called community show and tell, and we would love for you to add to that. And then the last uh, section um, that would be good to contribute to is the Q&A section. You can add questions in here, and you can also add answers. If you if you see something there that you think you could respond to, please do. Uh, that would be wonderful. Hopefully between everybody watching, we can get some answers to people's questions. Fantastic. All right. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and get going with our meeting here. 
So we've already done the welcome and, and the intros. That's great. Um, under important links, I always like to uh, draw your attention to our sign-in form. Uh, this allows me to send a certificate of attendance to you. So if you uh, don't mind, when you get a moment, go ahead and give a click on the short URL there for the sign-in form and fill that out. And uh, be sure to pick today's meeting, April 28th. And then I will, like I said, I will generate some PDF um, certificates of attendance that will uh, be sent out to you later on. It won't be it won't be right away, but after we've had a chance for people to to do that, I'll get those sent out. Next up, we'd like to remind you to plug into our GEG Ohio Google group. Um, we do have an email distribution group. Um, we're approaching 1,300 members in that group. It's a great way to stay connected in between our meetings. If you've got a question, hey, there's about 1,300 people there who may be able to help you. If you want to share a resource or reach out to people, a uh, fantastic way to stay plugged in in between. We also have a Facebook group as well that serves that same purpose. So please do plug into those. All right, that brings us to our next section, which is the upcoming events. I'll speak to a couple of these. And then, I don't know, John and Stephanie, if there's some in here that you know about that you'd like to you know, speak to, please do. Um, the ones that I can speak to would be the Google um, Google's Did You Know series uh, that's going on here throughout April and May. So this is a series of eight free webinars that uh, Google is hosting. And we've had three of them so far. There's five more to come up here. Uh, I've got the, the privilege of being one of the uh, one of the presenters for uh, for four of those. Um, and so you can head to this uh, site, and for each one of those, you can add it to your calendar. And after the event is over, if you missed it, you can watch the recording, um, and you can also access the slide deck from those. You can also sign up to get notified of these uh, trainings as they come up each week. Um, I did go ahead and do a blog post where I go into a little bit more details about it, and I did put in the YouTube links to my specific ones. And again, the first two are done, um, so those are available. You can already watch those. The next two are still coming up. Um, other than that, um, I'll mention real quick that we've got ITIP uh, next week, the ITIP Ohio Google Summit. Um, so hopefully some folks will, uh, will be there uh, who are watching now, and it would be wonderful to connect and chat. And I did go ahead and put a link to the, uh, to the, um, uh, the conference website, but I also put a link to the sessions that I'm doing. Um, so um, Stephanie and John, are you guys going to be there at ITIP? I am. I'm going to be at ITIP and I heard that there's a really good ice cream place. Yes. And I think Dan, I don't know if Dan is on, but he is, he is organizing it. Yes. Oh, well, that's wonderful. I'm glad you'll be joining us for that. Yes. Yeah, we, we, we definitely enjoy There's I don't remember the name of it, but I, I do recall being there with Andreas and, and Dan and some other folks. And we had a, had a wonderful time. And, uh, John, yeah, John will be, you be there? I'll, I'll be presenting uh, the same session twice, which is um, 50 tech tips for educators. And uh, But uh, members of my team from the professional learning group, uh, Christy Hughes and Chris Malanga and Troy Cummins will all be also presenting at um, the summit. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in person. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, let us know in the chat who's going, because maybe we can meet up and get a selfie or something 
Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, that is fantastic. It's been a while since we've had a, an actual GEG Ohio meetup. I think back probably would have been back with um, the, the Ohio, the OETC uh, conference. I think um, we got together at a, at a restaurant. Um, and that might be one of the last times that we've had a, an in-person meetup, but that would be good to get those going again at some of these events. What are you presenting on, Stephanie? I'm doing um, bite-sized PD. So it's just like a quick choice board of different options. And then the audience votes on a Google form. And then I just present on whatever they vote for. I so love it's a it. quick, it's like quick ideas. You have, it's overwhelming because you have a ton of different ideas, but that's my personality is I'm an overshare. So it's a perfect session for me to do. <laughs> I love that idea. What a fun way because as a presenter too that's really neat for you because it's different every time you've got this list mm -hmm. of I mean how, how many things can, can they choose from how big is I, the list I usually do 12 because okay. normally I only get to maybe seven one time I got to 10 it just depends wow. on the questions okay okay so they have a lot of questions and we pause and we talk more in detail about the different resources yeah. um, so it's really fun that does sound like a really neat format um, I would love to try that sometime. Thank you for the inspiration with that. And I'm excited to see how that goes for you. That's really neat. Um, I, I think with my sessions, um, I, I am doing a couple of new ones. Um, I'm doing one about, uh, about YouTube, YouTube tips and tricks, you know, things that maybe, uh, you know, we're used to using YouTube, but we, we don't always realize all the awesome things it can do. So we're just hitting a ton of YouTube tips and tricks. Um, doing one on Jamboard, um, doing one on Google Classroom's mobile features, which I've been singing the praises of for many years, but it's, they're getting better and better all the time. And um, beyond the slideshow, um, and then the other newish one is the one on Chromebook tips and tricks. So getting the most out of your Chromebook. So uh, awesome. Very good. Well, hey, I really look forward to that next week. That's going to be fantastic. The only other thing I'll mention is the Spark Conference. Um, we we are doing that again this year. We, we've done this for, I don't know, this is like year 16 or 17. I, I don't recall at the moment. Um, we are we are doing virtual this year. Um, hopefully we will be back face-to-face -face in the future, but uh, still this year, we are going to do this as a virtual conference. Um, there'll be live sessions. There'll be pre-recorded sessions. We always do this the first Friday of August to kick off the school year and get back, you know, get, get started on the new school year with some inspiration. So um, we are, we've got our call for proposals still open for a couple more weeks here. We would love for people to submit proposals for this. Um, if if you're doing a live session, we shoot for an hour long. Um, there's certainly some flexibility there, but we shoot for an hour. The pre-recorded sessions can be any length you want them to be. Um, and so uh, please consider proposing, uh, putting in a, a proposal for that. That'd be wonderful. And of course, the registration, it's totally free. So uh, feel free to sign up so that you stay in the loop on everything with that. And just like normal, you know, the sessions will be recorded and available afterwards and so forth. Um, John or Stephanie, did you have um, any insight on any of the other events? And we don't have to go through uh, additional ones, but if you are aware of something on the others. And I, and I didn't see it there and I will put a link to it, but um, I, we are helping um, to organize um, Chris Hamity from um, Anthony Wayne schools uh, used to put it on something called the create conference. Well, yeah. it, it has been moved now and it's going to be at mommy uh, high school in Toledo. And I think it's on June the 2nd, but it's, um, a, it's a, again, a smaller conference, but it's in person 
with a focus on technology that you can use in the classroom and ideas fresh from the classroom. So I will uh, do my research and put the link in there into the um, uh, into this section when I get a moment. That's great. I've I've often meant to attend that conference, and it has never the stars have never aligned. <laughs> it's a busy time with school wrapping up sometimes, and there's always been some conflict. And so I've never been able to attend it in the past, but I've only heard good things about it. Yeah, and then I did. Oh, go ahead, John. I said uh, he's been ho- he, it's been hosted. I remember being involved with this for over ten years. So um, it's yeah. It's something that, I mean, it's had different, lots of different homes. It was at Central Catholic for a while, and it was at Anthony Wayne. So I think from, from now on, it's probably going to move around the okay. Toledo area. But uh, it's, it's, um, it's, um, we formed a committee, and uh, it's made up of about 15 people. And so we're, we're trying to promote a good regional conference for that uh, northwest Ohio area. Excellent. You know, and I'm seeing a lot of uh, interesting comments in the chat about, you know, people being, you know, excited about conferences coming back, some in person, some virtual. And yeah, I mean, there, there's pros and cons all the way around, but I'm just glad that we have options, you know. So like with the Spark Conference, I, I would love for that to be face-to-face again. And uh, hopefully at some point we, we, we will do that. But by being virtual, you know, um, I love the fact that we were able to bring in speakers from all over the world. We had people internationally speaking last year at the Spark Conference. And I, I love that. I love that it brings in a lot of different voices. And so that, um, you know, is, is a wonderful benefit of that, that it's you know freely available to everybody and also allows people to be able to present and connect uh, no matter where they're from. Stephanie, you were going to add something in, though, I think. Yeah, Um the Ocali one. So that is a special education um, conference. It's close to my heart, the special ed, and it's free until Saturday, April 30th. So there is a virtual option. It's also in person, but I just want to throw that out there that right now it is free to attend until April 30th. So if you want to get on that, you need to sign up quickly um, because it is going to end soon. And if you do have questions, Star, she's a really amazing member of GEG Ohio, yes. and she can help you if you have questions. You put her email over to the side, um, but make sure you sign up for that if you are interested because it's free until Saturday. Awesome. Really appreciate everything STAR contributes to uh, the GEG meetings, but to education uh, as a whole <laughs> across the state of Ohio and beyond. Thank you, STAR. All right. Well, if you guys have anything else to add, please do throw in some other things in upcoming events. Again, anything, you know, trainings, uh, webinars, conferences, uh, please feel free to add those in and we will uh, definitely appreciate those. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and move into one of the main sections of our meeting, uh, which is what's new in Google Workspace for Education. So as we say all the time, Google is a moving target and we do our best to keep up with it. So throughout the month, as new things are announced, there's updates, there's changes, there's new features, we try to throw those into this document. And so if you ever peek in the document throughout the month, you'll see it's always a work in progress. This, this document begins you know, as soon as the last meeting ends <laughs> and we start adding in new things all throughout the month. So what I've done here is I went through and I just highlighted in bold um, some of the ones that 
I thought would be great for us to chat about here today. Now, if it's not highlighted in bold, you know, it still is valuable. Please click the links and explore them. And if there's something we are skipping over that you guys care about, let us know. Go ahead and throw, throw it in the chat and, and, and let us know that you do want to talk about these. And the same thing, Stephanie and John, if there's something that I didn't put in bold that you think should be talked about, please, uh, please do so. That would be fantastic. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of go back and forth uh, between Stephanie and I, and then John will be our our, our color commentator <laughs> and we can all kind of jump in as we go through um, and we're going to run through some of the uh, some of the new updates since our last meeting so uh, the first thing was wow we had our last meeting I think it was on the 31st and like later that day Google's like oh, hey, you just had a meeting. How about this? <laughs> Let's dump all these new updates. And so like that afternoon, it's like, <laughs> all these new things came out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> there, there you go. Um, so the first one um, is about uh, some tools from Google to help us check facts online to evaluate online resources. I won't go through this entire blog post. It does cover a number of different uh, tools to help evaluate online information. I'll have a little bit more to talk about with this later because I ended up doing a session on this topic um, kind of as a result of that. It, it kind of inspired me and uh, I ended up creating a session and, and doing a session just a, a few, well, last week, I think I did, uh, on this topic. It's all a blur right now. <laughs> um, but, um, and so we'll, I will go into some of these things a, a little bit more, but I think it's, it's a really nice collection of uh, helpful resources when it comes to checking facts online. Like I said, I'll, I'll demonstrate a few of these when we get to my show and tell later, but wanted to highlight that blog post. I think um, it's a, definitely a valuable resource, not just for our students, but for us as well to evaluate the information we come across online. Um, Stephanie, what about Google Meet? My gosh, it looks like we got a bunch of updates either here or on the way. What sort of stuff do we have here? Yeah, there are all kinds of different things when it comes to Google Meet. Uh, they've recently added it to like slides and docs. And so on there, you can kind of see over to the side, there's some videos. Um, and then over, you have your document. So you can meet in your Google Doc and on yeah. a Google Meet at the same time. I have not tried it yet. Have you? I was going to ask you guys, I have tried it enough to poke a stick at it. John, have you tried out that new feature yet? So um, I would love to hear from other folks as well. I don't know that I feel like I have totally wrapped my brain around it because I feel like I'm kind of missing something. I, I, I tried it. And so what happened was, let's just, I'll show you right now. Like if I go here to our GEG Ohio agenda, if I click on the little Google Meet button up here, what I can do is if I had any meetings coming up, I could choose them from here. But instead, I can just say, oh, I want to start a new meeting. And if I start a new meeting from that, whoop, I waited too long. Once it, there we go. Once it starts the new meeting, notice what just happened. It is starting a meeting over here on the side and it's leaving the document running over here on the left. So instead of the normal Google Meet screen, it's kind of like a mini panel you know, that's, it's, it's just like a small version of Google Meet over here. If other people joined it, which nobody else is in this right now, but if I, if I, I'll grab my personal account, I'll let my personal account join it. So I'll join twice here. Sorry, I'm probably going to get some feedback. I'll probably need to mute 
the uh, mics. I'll mute, I'll mute, there we go. I'll mute the mics on those. So now I've got, you know, um, you know, both of those accounts in there and my, my camera is being used by Zoom at the moment. So it's not gonna come through, I think. Nope, maybe just have the camera turned off. Maybe it'll come through if I turn it back on. Now nah, I think Zoom's got it used up. So that's okay. Um, so basically I just have a small version of Google Meet on the side over here. You've still got most of your normal buttons and stuff. You know, I mean, I can, you know, turn on captions and raise my hand and uh, let's see what else do we have here. Um, eh, doesn't look like a whole lot else that I can get to easily there. But if I come up here, I've got some other options. Like there's a pop-out button, which will basically pop this into its normal, just the normal meet screen. If I do that, it'll not look like this anymore. It'll become the normal Google Meet screen. Uh, but this picture in picture one is kind of neat because what it does is it floats then um, those videos um, separately. And um, then I can always uh, click here to redock it back over to the side. All of this is great. I think it's all awesome. The only thing is, unless I'm missing something, it is only affecting you. Nobody else is getting the experience. It's just you. So it's not like if I click that meet button and I start up a Google meet inside of a document. And if somebody joins, they're not going to see the same panel on the side with the document there. Cause when I joined with my other account, here's my other account over here. It's just a regular Google meet. They, they don't see any of that stuff. They don't even see the document. I still have to share the document, you know, to them. So, you know, the, the presenting isn't even happening. So Eric, I, I did, um, I did uh, try that today, but it, I kind of did it in the, in the reverse way. I was already in a meet actually with Christy and we were planning a training. And then I went into uh, the, it was a Google slides presentation that we were going to be working on together. Yeah. And that button, uh, if you're already in a meet, has a drop-down menu item that says share this tab with the right. meeting. Yes. And we did do it that way, but then I didn't ever think to ask Christy whether she could actually see what I was sharing. She should be able to in that case. So that one, right. that button's been around for about two or three months now. We've had that button where if you're already in a meet and then you open up a document, you can say share this to the meet and it will present it to the meet. This is if you're in the document, but not in the meet, you can start or join a meet from the document and you'll have the docked thing. But like I said, the person who joins with you, they don't see anything different. Now, if I come here and I click the present button down at the bottom, I can now present this tab. So when I do that, it's cool. It will only present what's inside of the tab. It will not present the, the, um, panel on the side. Now I could present my entire screen, the window, another tab. If I just present this tab, if I go ahead and say, yep, this is the tab I want to present here. Now, let me, oops, I just lost my other screen. Let me bring it back over. Here it is. Now you'll see from the other user's point of view, they're seeing the document in there now, just like a regular presentation, which is great, which is fine. I just I just needed to kind of think through this when I was starting to play with it and realize, okay, what does it do and what doesn't it do? So these new buttons, what they're doing is they're giving you 
different ways to view your meat, not the other people. They would still have to click their buttons to make things look the way they want to look. So like the um, the picture in picture option and things like that, uh, that's just going to become a standard feature inside of Google Meet that we can, you know, pop out the picture in picture. Now, I don't know if it'll let me do that while I'm presenting. Oh, looks like it. Huh, that's interesting. I thought it would let the me do it. The only snag that I ran into um, was that I'm sharing a tab. And so I switched to the tab that had the Google Meet in it. And then we had the picture inside the picture inside the picture inside. You know how it goes on forever? So I yeah. then quickly grabbed that tab uh -huh. and put it in another monitor. Yeah. And I didn't have that problem. Now, this is nice. This does avoid that. Mm -hmm. When I hit the present button here, it only presents what's inside the tab. It does not present the meat over right. there. So you do and not I think get that's a picture. Why you do, do not get the inception effect there. <laughs> yeah. It is so kind of nice. Like if you don't have a double monitor. Because there are times where I'm like, oh, I really wish I had a double monitor for this, or I'm doing a presentation, and yes. I could then see the meat. I can see people's hand raised. I can see all the yes. kind of post controls, and then I can pause as I needed. What does the chat look like? Is there? Does um, it pop up or? And I, I like that you can't see the sidebar when you do present. <laughs> so yeah. you see pros and cons. Um, in-call messages. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah, I yes. think so. So okay. chat is now in-call messages. So yeah, it just so shows up like that and people get smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, yeah, I think this is really good in the sense that, you know, if you're used to using like Zoom, where the people's videos are uh, separate from what it is you're sharing and you can move that around, that's a really nice feature. And I think Meet is moving more toward having that as an option with the picture-in-picture pop-out, with the side panel, with the standard view. And yeah, you're right, Stephanie. I usually have three monitors here, so it's not a big issue. But yeah, when you end up being on one, this would be a lifesaver when you're on one screen to be able to see everybody in the meeting over here on the side um, while, while you're looking at your document. I like it. And, mm -hmm. and I think it, it makes sense from the perspective that um, it's over there with all the other sharing options that you have for a document. And this is just saying we want to create a Google Meet so that people can actually uh, collaborate uh, in real time and with video and with all of those other features. So it just it's it, it's a natural progression, I think. I did see a question in the chat. Somebody said, where's the picture in picture option? So two things about that. One is if you're in this mode, if you did the, hey, I want to share my document uh, or I want to create a Google Meet from my document and now I want to share my screen from this mode with the panel, it's way in the top here. It's in the very top right-hand corner. That's the picture in picture button. If I click that, then it pops out this and I can move it around. And if there were more people in here, I would see, I would see more people, of course. Um, and then I can either pop it open into a full Google Meet window or I can redock it. Now, from what I understand, and I, I think Stephanie's gonna get to all of these <laughs> things here uh, in there, that is also going to be an option separate from this panel that that's going to be, and here it is, that you're going to be able to click the three dots and there will be a picture in picture option right from the three dots in a Google Meet. Um, I'm not sure if that's rolled out yet. Um, I guess I could 
I guess I could come over here and um, I could pop this out and then I could see, let's see if it's here yet. So in a regular Google Meet, if I hit the three dots, nope, I don't think so. doesn't look like that's come out yet. Um, so right now you'd have to do it um, if you were in the document. Oops, and I lost my panel now. I don't know if there's a way to get back. I don't know if there's a way to get back to the panel. Now that I've left it, I may have, I, I may have, you know, I may have uh, removed that option. So I, I don't know. All right, though. So cool stuff there. Um, what what else were you uh, seeing there, Stephanie? That's yeah. Your... There's also above that was um, the reactions. So people can add like a thumbs up, um, heart emojis, smiley faces. So this one is like, we're welcoming this person to the team. And you can see all these little emojis kind of popping up um, as people are clicking them to welcome this new team member. So just using more emojis to kind of react and add some fun to the Google Meet. <laughs> I love it. Uh <laughs> Rebecca just informed me that my Zoom video is hiding the button. That was the problem. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> wow. That makes sense. Yeah. So if I were to present this from here, you weren't able to see that. I'm sorry. Um, what if I turn off my video? I'm afraid. I don't know. It'll still probably. It'll probably show somebody else now instead of me. I don't know. I'm not sure. Sorry about that, guys. If my video was covering that up in the top corner, I guess I could. Um, I could just move it over. I could. Uh, here, let's. Uh, <laughs> so I made it really small now. Uh, let's see if I can stretch this over a little bit. Ah, come on! <laughs> I can't get a hold of it now. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I didn't want to. She said thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, it's it's fighting me a little bit there, but if I move this, oh my gosh, come on, buddy, be my friend, be my friend. All right, so there we go. There's the button. <laughs> I hope that helps. I'm sorry, I probably made it worse, but uh, hopefully that that helps a little bit. Uh, there's there's the picture and picture button up there in the top corner. All right. All right, anything else there that you wanted to mention out of what's coming new with Google Meet? Yeah, and we talked about the picture in picture. I think that's going to be nice too. And yeah. you need to pop that out and maybe be on another screen or something. Um, also, the noise cancellation. So there you have that on Google Meet as well. Okay. And then let's see here. There was something else I wanted to bring up going to YouTube. So streaming meetings directly to YouTube. I think we were able to do this when we had Google Hangouts, right? Yes. And now yes. it looks like they're bringing that feature back through Google Meets. Yeah, this has been promised for a while, hasn't it? And you're totally yeah. right. When we had Hangouts on air, that was like wonderful i loved that that's why we're using zoom right now was because we 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 used to do if anybody's like old school and, they, and you were with me when anthony was with me and we were doing geg ohio back then it was a hangout on air so this is going to be um being able to stream directly to youtube oh that's fantastic I think they promised that like over a year ago, or it's been about a year they've been talking about it. So I think we're finally closing in on what's what's the date they say, or are they just saying later this year? Later this year. Yeah, I think okay. it was later this year. 
Any idea if that's going to be like a premium feature? And it did talk about how um, live stream attendees will be able to participate in the Q&A and polls. So if you have people watching, they will Sweet. still be able to participate, which is really nice. And then they're also making some improvements to Google Spaces. So Google Spaces are um, like the chat version. It's kind of like a chat room and everybody's able to kind of go in. Maybe you have a team of people and they're all able to collaborate. They can all add Google documents. They can all chat with each other. And then you can now add threads. So if you're not familiar with Slack, Slack has those threads. So that way you can kind of comment within a comment um, to answer any of those questions. We've started using that um, in my department as the way to collaborate. What I really like is that there, if you share a file, so again, if we're working on some presentations or actually one of the things that we used it for most recently was when we went to the McCall conference, uh, we created a McCall conference space and then people shared any of the presentations that they got um, and it shows up in the chat, but then, it, then there's a separate listing in the files of all the files that you've um, shared with somebody um, for that particular space. So I think it shows a great, great promise. That's a great use of that, John, because I'll be honest, I have not played with spaces much at all, but that sounds like a really good way to kind of get people into using it the first time, doing it like at a conference. Right. So why don't we set up a space for ITIP and then we can share stuff in there? I think that's brilliant. Oh, we should. Yeah. yeah. John, get that set up behind the scenes. Yep, I'll do that. Oh, <laughs> and then I we can send it. it out. There we go. That'd be perfect. That'd be <laughs> absolutely perfect. Because I think that would be a good learning opportunity for all. I mean, that's a practical thing. I could see using that. Like, okay, I've got a reason to use it. And then we'll start seeing all the cool benefits of it once we get in. So yeah, let's do a an ITEP space. Since John is the expert on this, uh, as long as you can set that up, John, please do. If not, let us know if there's any issues with that, but that would be wonderful. All right. I think that is most of the new updates with like Google Meet Good. and Space. Okay. Right. Um, so lots of exciting things happening in those two areas. Yes. Now see, if only we had had our meeting one day later, or if they'd only released this just a few you know, hours earlier, uh, <laughs> all of this would have been last meeting, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, the last thing that came out on that day was a, um, an article about how Google is adding some more writing suggestions to Google Docs. And this has gotten some mixed reactions. Um, so basically the idea behind it, I don't know if they've got a, yeah, I guess they do have a, a little, um, Animated GIFs is kind of small there. If I can zoom in on that. So the idea is uh, we all have, of course, you know, spell check we've had forever in Google Docs. And there's also the grammar checking option that's been there forever as well. Now they're talking about this um, writing suggestions. So it's not like, you know, you use the wrong verb. It's not a grammar suggestion and it's not, you know, it's not a blue squiggly, which would be a grammar suggestion. Right, I think those are blue. It's not a red squiggly, which is a spelling error. Uh, it looks like they're purple squigglies, and it's more of um, writing suggestion improvements. So, you know, in this case, you can see they were suggesting they switch to active voice, or they suggested a a synonym that would be better than this one, or they are uh, suggesting a more inclusive term, chairperson versus chairman, for example. Um, and so this is rolling out, but 
Um, what I've heard, and I have not, I have not really had a chance to use this yet, um, but we've, I've heard some blog posts, on, I've seen some blog posts online where I guess it's a little hit and miss at the moment. Like, uh, I think the AI might still be learning and evolving that some folks were saying it was picking some things that it didn't really, they didn't really feel fell within these categories and totally missing other things that maybe should have. So I'm curious to see, um, but there has been some, some internet backlash on this, just saying, ah, eh, this may need a little bit more tweaking. So I'm not sure. Um, it's not available to all of the, um, like for example, which ones did they say it was available? And that's always important to, to remind ourselves of that. So like the word warnings, um, that seems to be available for most everybody. So education fundamentals and standard and plus and so forth. But the word choice, active voice, conciseness and inclusive language, it says it's available for education plus, but it does not seem to be for all the other ones, even teaching and learning and education fundamentals and standard and all that stuff. So um, be aware if you start seeing purple squigglies in your documents that uh, Google is working on the writing suggestions questions uh, tool. All right. What's up next? Yeah, so this one's really cool. You can create your own coloring pages. So you'll click this link and then you just hit choose file. We'll see what Eric has on his computer. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, I'm selling everything sales. from my house. Oh, here's, here's my cat. Oh, I, gave her, some, I gave her some catnip last night. Uh, she likes catnip. And I got a picture of her really enjoying the catnip. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of a cat person, Eric. Oh, yeah, I'm in the process of, of see she yeah, she was deep into the catnip at this point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, see, as I scroll across here, it's trying to turn it into a coloring page. Some things might lend themselves a little bit more to it than others. Um, but... And then your students could color this. Another thing that I'm thinking of is like doodle notes. So sketch noting is really popular in um, Jen Giffen, who is both of ours, like really good friend, who's oh, amazing. Yeah. She is into sketchnoting. So when I saw this, I was thinking sketchnoting. You take a worksheet and you put it hopefully in here. You take a screenshot of it and maybe the students can color in those different diagrams for science or different images to show whatever they're learning. Um, so kind of making it that kind of sketch note idea where the students have maybe like a template or some type of way, and then they can color in to help explain the concept. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, that's neat. So yeah, we can download it, we can print it out and there you go. So yeah, yeah. Take it. Well, I mean, what a fun way. I mean, you know, to, to color things in, and if you want to make it, maybe students can take a picture of themselves and run it through and color themselves too. But I love your sketch noting idea. That's neat. Cool stuff. All right. Um, Next up, Google Docs has gotten emoji reactions, uh, and we can even demonstrate these for you right now. <laughs> if I highlight um, some text in my Google document, instead of doing a comment, instead of doing a suggested edit, we now have emoji reactions right here in the document. So I can come in and say, oh, who knows, let's do a thumbs up or something like that. Boom, there we go. 
I've now added an emoji reaction right to the document. Um, now this one, um, again, I apologize. Sometimes I, I, I'm not sure which things are have rolled out yet. Are they still coming? Looks like it started on April 5th for the rapid release. And then on April 20th for this for the scheduled release. So it's possible some folks are still getting this depending upon what release that you're on, but it's available to all of the all of the Google Workspace users. So everybody should have access to this. So uh, feel free to throw in some emoji reactions to our document here today as well. Uh, Marilyn was asking, where do we find the coloring page generator? Uh, so the link for that um, would be um, under our April 5th, 2022 uh, section there. That's where that one came in. Um, and the, the link, um, this is resource link, will take you directly out to that coloring page. And if anybody is not able to get into the document, um, if you joined a little late or didn't get it, I'll drop that in the chat again. There's the link to the um, agenda document. And then if you scroll on down to the section for what's new, uh, it's under there for April 5th. That'll get you to that. And then once you're there, you just upload the file that you want for the picture. Yeah. All right. Um, got a couple of ones that we skipped here. Again, let, let, let us know if there's something here that, that you think we shouldn't have skipped. Um, and we already did this one. This one got included in the other one. So um, Stephanie, if it's okay, what would be our next one? I guess the one on YouTube? Yeah, so they have added another role in YouTube. So usually, you know, you're the owner of a channel and then you can sometimes like invite other people. So for example, like with Global GEG or GEG Ohio, if we had a channel and we wanted to collaborate together on this. There is a new um, option to add a subtitle editor. So this person could come in and they could kind of be that role in YouTube. Because I think before it was like, they can kind of have access to everything, wasn't it? Like in YouTube. Yeah, I, yeah, so, I guess right. Yeah. And so now they're kind of having it. So this person can kind of help with maybe some of those captions or nice. things like that. Yeah, so they wouldn't be able to, you know, upload new videos or delete videos. They would mm -hmm. just be allowed to edit the captions for a video. And I don't know how many people still do that. I just rely on the um, AI, the, uh, yeah, the how, how YouTube generates captions for you. I know it's not perfect. And so it makes sense that some folks are, you know, still uploading captions, but boy, it's gotten a lot better, but this is nice. This is really great. So you wouldn't have to always do it yourself or give somebody the keys to the kingdom and give them full edit rights to your channel. They could just work yeah. on this. And what I'm hoping with this is it's coming with more different allow like permissions for YouTube channels. Cause if you oh, have an nice. organization, like Hey, this person can only edit the descriptions. Maybe that person goes in and adds timestamps. This oh, person can nice. only change the order of videos on our channel. You know, like it would be nice if you could give different people. Oh. So I'm hoping with this one, it just starts in opening that door. I didn't even think about that, Stephanie. Those are really good ideas, especially if you've got a big channel with a lot of people helping out and you want to delegate some tasks out. Good, good ideas there. All right, next up, um, intelligent corrections for formulas in Google Sheets. Um, so we recently, I don't know, a couple months ago, 
they added uh, formula suggestions. So if you're trying to work on a formula in Google Sheets, it'll actually pop up and be like, hey, how about this formula? And that's really nice. It does a pretty good job of that. Uh, now they're rolling out uh, AI-driven formula uh, corrections. Uh, so this is really, this is very helpful. So, you know, if you're trying to use, in this case, a VLOOKUP is what they're showing in this example here. Uh, I'll zoom in a little bit on it. And, you know, you're, you're having, you know, problem, you're getting some sort of an error in it. Um, Google Sheets can actually go through and try to identify what you've done wrong in your formula and help you correct that. So, Hey, anything that helps people embrace Google Sheets more, I think is fantastic. It's such a powerful tool that can help you in so many ways. It's not just about crunching numbers. It's about managing information. And we all as educators have so much information to manage. And if technology can do it for us and save that time, then that means we can spend our time doing more important things like interacting with our students and, and connecting with other people and things like that. So i uh, excited to see the continual growth of the AI in uh, Google Sheets. That's awesome. All right, let me clean up a few tabs here. What's up next? Yeah, so using Google Lens. Um, so Google Lens kind of works with images. And if you right click on an image now, you're gonna have an option to search um, based on that image, open image searches. All right, here, let me, I think I've got, I think I've got one off to the side here. Let me grab it. Yeah. So here was one I was doing in actually the, the, the session that I was talking about with uh, um, evaluating online information. So mm -hmm. this is the one I usually use for that. It's a picture of a shark on a flooded highway. And it's like, was there really sharks swimming on the highway <laughs> after a hurricane? And so what you're saying is we can just right click on it. Yeah, you should be able to right click and then it should say search image. Yep, right there All right. with Google Lens. And now it's going to pop up some images. Yeah. That so are very familiar, yep. Oh, so I can find out and that way I can find out more about that picture, mm -hmm. where it's from and other websites that are using that image. Yeah. And I think um, too, if you're looking for an article that goes along with it, there might be some yeah. more resources there too. And, and then you can also filter by text. Up, yep. There you go. And translate. So let's grab a different one here. So let's say I come in and I grab a sign, a picture of a sign. And I'd say, uh, let's search the image with Google Lens. This is a sign in Spanish. So we'll say, search it with Google Lens. Now I can come here and click on the translate button and it will do a translation of it right there into English. And if I do text, I can also grab the text and I can copy the text right from the image to use and other stuff. It's crazy, the technology. Nice. <laughs> See, I don't know. Um, did you guys ever use the Google Translate mobile app? Because, I mean, it did that um, yeah. with the Google Translate mobile app. It's so good that they're putting that on the web. And then the Google Lens mobile app did the text selection. And sometimes, I don't know, it seems like Google has this thing where they branch off and they'll say, okay, we're going to add these features to the mobile app but then they don't add them to the web version of it. And so, yeah, both that Google Translate feature and the Google Lens text select feature have always worked on your phone, at least for a long time they have. Uh, mm -hmm. So good to see they're putting them 
onto the web here as well, because that's slick. That's really helpful to have that right there. Awesome. Love it. Oh, and you can still, um, I think you can still pop it open into its own window. Like if you wanted to, it's just like a panel, but if you clicked um, the um, open button here, it'll pop it open into its own bigger window. And it just may, might be a little bit easier, you know, to, to see everything and uh, copy the text, listen to it. It'll even uh, speak it maybe. Let's see. Danger. Unauthorized personnel stay out. How nice. That's awesome. That's really, really good. Good job, Googs. I like it. <laughs> That's really cool. All right. Um, next up. Improved admin experience when moving folders from my drive to share drives. And this one's might not apply to, to everybody. It's more of an admin thing, but just good heads up for you. As an administrator, you can drag folders from your drive, from my drive into a shared drive. Um, but I guess there's been some hiccups with that in the past. Um, in one of them, I didn't even realize this was an issue, but apparently when you would do this in the past, the folder IDs would change those the long string of letters and numbers that identify the unique folder. And so if somebody had a link that went to that old folder, you know, as, as, a, as a URL, it wouldn't work anymore. But now I guess it's going to retain the folder ID. So you're, they're calling it a copyless move. So you're actually moving it, not copying it and getting new links as a result. Um, if you end up having drive limits for how much space um, a drive can have, it won't let you now move things if it exceed that. And if there's something that can't be moved for some reason, it will create shortcuts so that now you've got the full hierarchy of that folder showing up. So that's nice. I think the more and more people use shared drives, uh, some of these issues had been cropping up and these are some nice fixes for those. So that's nice. Oh, what's up here next? So extensions. Um, we have had some issues in our district with some extensions, just sometimes have kids have too many and then it slows the browser down or um, there's just some crazy ones out there. So with mm -hmm. that, we have kind of locked them down in our district. Students have like our own PLSD store. They can no longer just download any extension. It has to be approved to the store first. Gotcha. And so right here with this, it's kind of giving Chrome extension badges. So it's going to be able to help you know, is it a featured one? Maybe it um, follows different recommendations. And then also there's like a check mark next to the web address to kind of help you know if it has um, been created by the owner and it's a, like a listed website and the publisher has like a really good record. Uh, and they haven't had any violations. So just kind of using that yeah. to help you know um, who has been um approved and who hasn't been approved and then have they been following following policy to make sure that it is a good extension that's really helpful i mean what have you said in the past probably look at the reviews look at the star rating look at the you know go go to the website for the company things like that this is this is great though this is nice to have some additional things to give us some confidence that this is a a valid extension uh, that, that can be used. Um, so do you have like a big, you've, you say you have like a big approved list 
of extensions for for the students that they can pick mm -hmm. from. Yeah, yeah, that is, we do the same thing, um, but it wasn't that way forever. It was just recently in the last year, um, we, we finally realized, yep, you're right. There was just, there were a bunch of them that were boogering things up. They were causing problems. And so we did switch to doing a, um, yeah, um, a, an approved list. I think we have like a 120 or 30 approved extensions that people can use. Well, good. Glad to have a little bit of additional help from Google on that. Uh, next up, setting up host controls and assigning co-hosts ahead of a meeting in Google Calendar. So this is nice. I, I can show you what this looks like real quick. I'll just pull open my calendar for a moment. And let's just say I want to create a new event here. So if I were to come in and just create a new event and add Google Meet to it, now, when I come in and click on the options button, which that's been there for a while, we've had the ability to create a meet ahead of time and we could go in and like set up breakout rooms, for example, that was one of the things you could do ahead of time. Well, now if you go into the options, we've got the host controls, of course, here, but now there's a co-host spot. Awesome. So instead of waiting until the actual Google Meet begins and then transfer or assigning co-host abilities to somebody, we could do that beforehand because that's really nice. I've had people say, well, I can't be in the meeting. I'm the one who created it, but I can't be in the meeting, but I need to give somebody else hosting abilities. This is great. It can all be done ahead of time. So there's no concern about the person who created the meeting having to be there if somebody else is going to be in charge. So nice to see that. That is cool. We'll discard that though. All right. Um, what's up next? Just a couple more last things here. Yeah. So looking at storage. Oh, and yes. so <laughs> storage has been an issue, I think, with Google changing the way um, that storage works. So no longer is storage just free for educators. Um, so now in the Google admin, you can kind of see here uh, which users are using the most storage in your domain. And you can also kind of see what is it that's taking up most of their storage. So like over on the side, you can see videos. Videos is going to probably take up majority of our space. And so what I've been telling people is add it to YouTube. Um, so take your videos and add them to YouTube rather than just putting them in your drive mm -hmm. um, and kind of sharing them that way. Because YouTube does have different ways that you can share. They have, you can share in your domain. They have it so you can share publicly. You can share it unlisted or private. So I think YouTube is kind of the answer for some of those videos. And then photos are the next thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, this is nice. I did pull this up for, for my domain. Um, this is not, obviously not my domain. This is the picture from their from their uh, blog post. Um, and it's it's really nice. It, 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 it tells you right away uh, who who is your Steven Suits in, in your district, you know? And so I was like, oh, that, there, there's my version of Steven Suits. Uh, we're going to need to figure out why this person has terabytes of data in there. Um, I was surprised I wasn't in the top list. <laughs> I, th I, thought I, I thought I'd open it up and my name would be there. And it wasn't me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this, this will be for those, especially as Google starts enforcing some of the um, uh, size limitations for storage, we're going to need to do this. 
And so they did promise this quite a while ago when they said that they were going to put size limits, uh, storage limits. They promised they would give administrators these kind of tools. And so now we do have them. They are, they are rolling out and they're very helpful for us to be able to start digging in. All right. Well, almost at the end of our updates, um, here's one from uh, Google Arts and Culture. Always love arts and culture. They do uh, really wonderful things. Well, they've added a couple new games uh, to arts and culture. Um, I did play around with the one called Guess the Line. Uh, it reminds me very much of um, uh, not auto draw, the one that led to auto draw. Why am I drawing a blank on it right now? Ah, I can't remember. Somebody will remind me maybe, but you know, the, the, the AI game that Google had out and they still do um, where you sketch something like Pictionary and it tries to guess what you're drawing. Same idea, but this has more of an art slant to it. Uh, so you may be prompted to draw a cubist dog or a minimalist tree. And so you draw them and the AI tries to guess what it is you're drawing. Um, and then there's one where you can create 3D pottery. Um, oh, quick draw. Thank you, Jessica. See, ah, I knew somebody would be there for me. <laughs> and I love quick draw. Uh, five bonus points to Jessica uh, for that. Oh, and there's Peggy. Sorry. Uh, Jessica was a little quicker, so only three bonus points to, 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 to Peggy. And then Jennifer, we're down, we're, we're down to one bonus point. Okay. Uh, <laughs> good job, though, guys. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so anyway, check out these if you want some more interactive Google Arts and Culture experiences. Uh, appreciate those. All right. What's our final update, then? Yeah, so final update for today is um, the menu in Google Docs is improving. So I feel like, what was it, two months ago, they maybe improved Google Sheets? I love that word of... improved. Don't you love that? They improved it. <laughs> I like the new version. I don't know. It is. Yeah, um. yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it's good. <laughs> um, so here, what they've done is they're shortening the menus so it's easier to navigate. I think sometimes when teachers that aren't as familiar with technology, uh, they get overwhelmed when they see all of these different options in that menu. And so they're, they're shortening it. They're also reorganizing it. So it's kind of like, oh, this is what that is, or this is where that can be found. Um, they're also icons. Now, if you have been using Google Docs, this might throw you off because you're like, oh, it's here and it's not there. It was named this and it's not named that. Um, so just kind of keep in mind that this is kind of coming out, um, but hopefully you'll be able to find everything that you used to do. And if not, just use the help area. That's what I know. Yeah. <laughs> How soon is this rolling out? Uh, um, oh, extended rollout by the end of May. So okay, yeah. over the next month, when you go into Docs, because I don't think I saw it yet. The, the file menu looks pretty different. If mm -hmm. I come here to my file, nope, nope, I've still got the old one right now. So I imagine they're going to do this from time to time, right? They're going to clean up their menus, and that makes sense. You got to do that now and then, you know, spring cleaning and getting things more organized. So, yep, sheets first. Now we got docs. So, good stuff. Well, hopefully, I helped everybody here today with some um, ideas on what's new and uh, not just what's come out, but what is on the horizon. This can be really helpful just to give your give your staff a heads up so they don't get caught off guard when suddenly there's new menus in Google Docs or, you know, let them take advantage of some of the neat new features like, you know, being able to uh, present 
a, a Google or start a Google Meet right from their document. Um, all of these uh, updates, um, you can get more details on by following the resource links that we have here. I try to link those out to the original uh, Google blog post that goes into more details on those. Well, if there's any other questions on that, please let us know, throw them in the chat. We're gonna move on to our next portion of the meeting, which is show and tell. With show and tell, the idea is we just wanna share neat new things we've come across um, related to technology in general. I mean, normally it's googly focused, but not always, you know, a lot of times it's technology in general. Um, with uh, John with us today, we'll have John share. We'll also, of course, have Stephanie share, and then I will as well. Um, Sarah's not with us today, but she does have her link to her Tech You Can Do weekly newsletter. So this is a great way to keep up to date with the things that Sarah sends out. I think each Monday, I believe it is, I signed up for it and it's fantastic. Um, if you guys have things to share, you can drop things down in the GEG community show and tell section as well. So Stephanie, John, which one of you would like to go first? Any preference? I can go first. All right. Well, John, why don't you go ahead? I will stop sharing and I will turn that over to you. And uh, you can uh, share about the uh, PLCO. Okay. Um, so uh, hopefully everybody can see my screen. Looks good. All right. Um, so this is, uh, this was a project that we started and it's what's been occupying uh, my attention, at least for about the last 18 months. Um, we applied for a grant uh, as a result of uh, the pandemic and the realization that uh, the capacity for professional learning for the state of Ohio was, was somewhat lacking and that we needed, uh, our vision was to create a platform that people can come to where they can participate uh, in self-paced training and they can learn and improve their skills so that they can become better. Uh, teachers and users of technology and uh, better learners in general. So there are all kinds of topics that are going to be in here. This was a collaboration between four uh, educational entities. Uh, I guess we talked in our introductions. I work for the Northwest Ohio Computer Association, uh, but there are some educational service centers as well, Butler County, which is done by Cincinnati, uh, Lake Geauga Computer Association, which is another ITC similar to the one that Eric works for and I work for. And um, they're also associated with an ESC. So we have pulled together our resources and we have built this platform. Uh, the platform is located, you can see the link in the original, uh, in the agenda document, it's plcohio.org. And um, this is just the homepage of our, of our system. We're in beta right now. And I guess beta means that you can try things out and if they don't work, then you don't have to apologize for it. So, um, but what we are trying to do is get feedback from people uh, that want to take uh, the courses. And so uh, on this very first page, then there's instructions about how you get started. And I'm already enrolled. So I'm gonna click the login button at the top here. And that takes me to our main page here. And then we have the handy dandy login with Google button, which um, allows you to then uh, use your Google credentials from your school Google account and log in. And so now I find myself inside of the course. And you can see that there are actually, uh, there are people in there taking the coursework right now. Um, but I'm looking at what's called the dashboard. 
there is a little menu at the top here that I can open up that lets me see all of the courses and everything that I have. And we usually recommend that people keep that um, minimized unless you need it. And so uh, we are creating basically two kinds of things in here. There are courses and there are learning communities. And um, learning communities are in fact courses, but the, the kind of interactions that happen are really based around discussions. So um, I'm gonna go in and this is one of our courses, which is Google Certified Educator uh, Level 2, which I'm enrolled in. Um, and so you can take other courses and people do boot camps and there are very, there are different ways that people can um, learn the information that they need in order to take the Google certification. And so I know Stephanie and Eric, you've both been involved in the boot camps, and that was the way that we did it when we could go in person. But uh, what we've been doing at Northern Buckeye for about the last four years is we've been offering them, they were originally offered in Google Classroom. Where we ran into a problem was um, if you have more than about um, 100 people in a Google Classroom, uh, things start to slow down and it really becomes unworkable. So we were looking for a platform uh, that we could then offer courses to larger amounts of people. And so uh, we ended up settling on uh, the open source uh, uh, learning platform that's called Moodle. Many people have heard of it. It's been around for 20 plus years. Uh, this current beta is running in Moodle 3. Uh, we will be uh, switching our production platform, which will go live uh, sometime in the next six weeks. Uh, at least for us to begin to develop, will be in something called Moodle Workspace. And Moodle Workspace is actually a professional development platform that has been developed specifically for the purpose of, of doing professional development type courses. Whereas Moodle proper was more used similar to Canvas or uh, Schoology and some of those other platforms which were more aimed at higher education and K-12. So. Um, we're going to be using a platform that was designed um, for professional development. So things like badging and micro-credentialing will be built, uh, are actually built into that system. So anyway, this is what a course looks like. And uh, when you drill down into a course, uh, you come down into the modules. And so um, I'm just going to go and just show you a little bit what, what it looks like. This is a module one, which is about communicating with your class. Um, and then we have, we cover Google Sites, Blogger, Google Groups um, in this. You have an exit ticket that you have to complete, but you can't do the exit ticket until you complete all of these other activities. And uh, so I'm going to go into one of the lessons. Um, the lessons we have built in a tool called Rise360. And actually, I've already been in, um, in this lesson. It's probably not a good example, but um, if I go back to the beginning, you can see it's tracked my progress here. And as I then scroll through and interact with the content, uh, so this is telling me about what an announcement banner is. And so I can then, uh, I can begin and I can look at the next um, part of the lesson. So step one, when I'm doing an announcement banner is to click on the settings gear and it shows you a little screenshot of what that is. So our idea is that people interact with the content um, in, in, a, in ways to learn. And then we're trying to offer uh, several modalities for the learning. So there will be a video that goes along with this that explains then how you do it. So some people will like to interact with it. If you're a visual learner, some people will like to watch a video and have somebody explain it to you. So it, this just goes through um, and you just go through the whole lesson 
and there's interactive um, content all the way through that kind of explains each of the different concepts. So we are unpacking these things and trying to make them uh, interesting and in different ways that people can learn about it. And then at the end of every one is a lesson check. You don't have to pass the lesson check, very similar to the way that Google does their online course. You can kind of go through it and it helps you to know whether you know uh, the answers or not. But essentially we cover every bit of content that is needed in order to be able to take and pass the Google Certified Educator Level 2 exam. Level 2 is live uh, right now. Level 1 will be going live in a week or two. Um, we have, uh, and so we are using, um, there is embedded video in this, not in this particular module, but if I go back to, uh, back to the course again, uh, or I can go back and I can uh, step through my different, um, my different modules here. Eventually we'll come to one that has, uh, that has a, a, a video in it. The video is embedded and we're actually using Vimeo as the back end for the video. So um, that allows us to embed the video and have it be just a truly part of the course and not distracting. So what we think we've built is a, uh, a system that is easy to use. Um, and then if you need help with it, uh, over here we have a help desk. And in fact, if you go into uh, the help desk, the help desk is a learning community. So the idea is in the same way that we in the GG of Ohio learn from each other and ask questions, uh, that's going to be the way that we approach um, the learning community that is the help desk. Obviously, the instructors will be able to answer questions in there. And then we have the, the Google Certified Educator learning community that you can go to, and it's actually a course. And uh, similar to when you take a college course, and our idea is that when you go through these courses, especially when you're um, online and remote, um, you're somewhat isolated from um, other educators, and uh, there's a lot that we can learn from each other. So uh, we wanted to have one place where you could go and you could participate in. And so here are the people are introducing themselves, typical um, of the fashion that you would see if you took a college course, and people are all working on that together. So we are trying to build communities of people together. And then the people in this GCE learning community, we will let them know about the GEG learning community that we have. And so they can join our Google group and we'll be able to funnel more people into um, and participate in our monthly meetings. And then we hope to be able to extend and create other kinds of learning communities as part of the whole uh, PLCO project. So that's just a very brief uh, under the hood look at what is our new platform that we've been working on for the last 18 months. And uh, I will pass it over back to you, Eric. That's that's wonderful, John. Um, I'm seeing things pop up in the chat, though. People are asking, like, you know, is this who is this available to? Uh, you know, because obviously we've got folks outside of Ohio as well, uh, but also within Ohio. What's what are what is so there your is a registration that? form that, that we link to and huh. um, we have. I don't know that we have any way of really telling if people are from Ohio or not. I guess whatever they, uh, we have a form where they put in what district they work for. But um, re really, we're in the testing stages now. So if people are interested, um, that involves giving us feedback. Like, um, uh, did you have any difficulty as you're navigating through the modules? And uh, so what we have done is we've approached this from the point of view of uh, getting as much feedback as we can in the next couple of months uh, to find out, because we really want this to be a platform that educators want to come back to and continue to learn from. And 
Um, they shouldn't have to remember another password and it should be easy for them to find and enroll in courses. So we want feedback from our users as much as possible. Well, I have a link to great. the registration. Yeah, uh, yeah right I see there that the in there. Right. Yeah. So if people follow that link for the registration form, it's a Google form they can fill out for the um, uh, Google Certified Educator Level 2 cohort. And then we will, if you go to the PLC Ohio um, website, and at the very bottom, we will have, um, when we add other courses, we'll have the enrollment information there. But um, uh, so, Eric, you and I had a conversation a little bit yep. about this uh, a while back. Uh, so I think uh, the plan moving forward would be that uh, the ITCs would become directly involved. And in this new platform that we have, each ITC will, in fact, have their own little um, there'll be tenants in a system. And so you'll be able to manage your users, enroll your people, send out your codes. Right now, this is open to everybody and it's kind of the Wild West. So um, we're just hoping that um, we can get some good feedback over the next couple of months. I think we have about 100 people registered right now. Um, and then a lot of people are waiting. Level two, obviously, are people that have already done level one. And we've had a few of those waiting in the wings. Uh, when level one opens up, we expect that it'll be quite a lot busier. So um, we're looking forward to that probably in about the next two to three weeks is our timeline. Well, awesome. I, uh, I, it's great to see where it's gotten to because, yes, we've had discussions about this over the last year and uh, you guys have done amazing work. It's really neat to see the, the, uh, the progress that has been made with this and excited to see how we can help support educators. Um, and uh, yes, uh, our ITC will be excited to plug into this and create content and, and be a part of it as well. Great. Well, Stephanie, how about we throw it over to you and you can take the reins and share all your amazing resources. Yeah, sounds good. Um, also, John did work on a group. Can you post the link for people to join for the ITIP chat, John, in your area too? Um, you mean for the, when we did the, um, for the, I, yes. So I actually, I probably would have to make a form or something because I, you have to invite people by putting their email address in. It, there isn't really a, a way that you can kind of share a link to it. Okay. Oh, I wish you could just share a link. That's kind of... Yeah. Well, so oh. the, the way that they've got it set up, <laughs> it, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. It's supposed to be for people within your organization that want to share things. Um, and so it's very much like... Uh, uh, like Slack, so where you have uh, you know different channels in there, those would be spaces that you create inside of um, um, of there. A and really, uh, you can invite outside people, but you have there's a setting that you have to click that says allow outside people. So it's probably it's more similar to a Google group in that respect that uh, they were sort of originally designed to be only within an organization, but you can make them available outside the organization. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, that'd be great. Yeah, so it sounds like if a form was created that people could just put their yeah. name and so email I'll, in I'll, and then that, say, that's hey. That's why I wanted to that's why I wanted to get in first so that I can go and I'll make the form and do that. Awesome. Have it Thanks. ready for you by the time you get done. Oh, right. You're the yeah, best. Perfect. Thanks, John. You're awesome. All right. So first off, before I get started, look at all of these fun reactions in our Google Doc. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, keep those reactions coming if you want to try out that new feature. 
Um, so right here again, I post like a weekly update to my staff. So if you are interested in any resources, but I'm just going to talk about a couple top hit resources. Um, this first one is sketch noting. So in this past month, a couple of us did a sketch note sketch noting make and take. Um, so there's like different templates, but also just sketch noting with your students. Um, again, Jen Giffen is like a huge fan of sketch noting, and so because she is, she has like poured her passion into me. I'm not the best sketch noting, sketch noter, but I see the benefits. I know when I am on a meeting, sometimes it helps just to doodle or think of what I'm going to write down um, to process some of that information. And so here's a resource that I made for students where they can learn how to sketch note. Uh, they watch a quick video. And then after the quick video, it kind of walks through like how to take notes because I've realized that this year um, our teachers are moving to some video instruction, but our students don't know how to watch the video. They don't know how to pause it. They don't know how to take notes. And so I found like a graphic um, that was like an anchor chart and I made it digital on Twitter and it just walks through how to take those successful notes. And so it was talking about um, organizing your notes. Do you need like a graphic organizer? Should it be like a web? Should it, there be different columns? Like how should we organize our notes depending on the topic? Once you know how to organize it, then you're going to kind of want to go in and you are going to um, think about Okay, what should I underline? What should I highlight? What should I circle? What do I need to add more to? What do I have questions about? And so then you can go in and do that. After that, making those connections. So what prior knowledge did I already have about this topic and making those connections? And then um, the last thing is kind of going back and adding additional information after like a couple hours. So always coming back, processing that information and then using that information in the notes. So students learn kind of just some quick tips about note-taking. And then after that, it talks about the um, visible light alphabet. So students only need to know how to draw these items and they can draw almost everything. So if we look at like a triangle, well, there's a pizza base and then you can just add an arc for the crust and then a little circle for the pepperonis. And so if you're able to draw just those shapes, you can really draw anything and getting our students to think that way um, can really start to help them. And so what students do is they get like a template like this and then they can sketch as they're watching these different videos, uh, their different notes. So this one had five different tips. So each box would have a different tip in it where this one is organizing Gmail. So they're gonna talk about the different steps, what their email should include uh, throughout. So again, just a fun way to get students taking notes using sketch noting. Um, if you have not listened to this podcast, it's a fun one. It's called Smash Boom Best. And what it is, is it's two people arguing. <laughs> They're doing a debate on a podcast. And so this debate right here is using um, logos versus Minecraft. There's two sides to it and the people are going at it um, together. And so what I've done is I've gone to their website. So down here, they have like a website with um, for their podcast to help educators and I just kind of created a Google slide version of it. So these were like the vocabulary words that the students were going to need to know. So we're going to talk about that before they listen to the episode. After we go over the vocabulary, we're going to practice using Quizlet. And then right here is the rounds. So as the students are listening to the podcast, they have to decide who the winner is for each round. And there are a couple different rounds. So in different rounds, do different things. Um, and then as they're listening, they have like a bingo board so they can kind of say, oh, 
uh, someone laughed at their own joke and they can put a little piece on their bingo board. Um, someone was talking to an animal. And so again, like they're listening for all these fun little things and they can fill out their bingo board um, doing that. And then it talks about claims, reasons and evidence and then the rebuttal. So in that round two, it talks about a rebuttal and students have to fill out this form for that round to really get them kind of thinking. Um, so again, just a fun way to get students to think about and listen to a podcast and uh, hear a debate in a different way than maybe what they're used to, um, but can be a lot of fun for your students. And then next up is um, ketchup, mustard, mayo. And this was a find um, from Isaac. He is an amazing educator, um, Mr. Isaacs. He does a ton of videos that are hilarious on Twitter. Um, so if you're not following him, I highly suggest following him. He always has like a video with Mr. Bear. Um, and so Alex, what he did is he had this choice board or this must do can do list and his students, he called it mustard. So the kids had to do, they must do all of these items. Then with the pickles, they had to pick two of these items. Then with the ketchup, they had to catch up on any missing work. Um, and then number four, these were the may do items. They were like, if you finish early or something like that, you can do that. So just a fun way. Um, and he provided the link for you if you're interested in that on his tweet. Um, but just a fun way, again, to kind of show students, hey, you can kind of do like a must do pickles, ketchup, mayo type of list to kind of change up your learning environment as well. And then this next one, I love adding games uh, into the classroom. And so this was a good find by Jonathan. So again, this was a find on Twitter and there's four players. So you would share this in Google Classroom or whatever your LMS is. And there would be four students or you could do teams and the students have to find an image. So for example, this topic is 2020. <laughs> and so if you're thinking about 2020, what image or what GIF might represent that. So I'm thinking like fire. And so what the students do is they find a funny meme, a funny photo, whatever they want to do. Um, and then they can add their image to this Google draw. And then the students can have a conversation and then vote who had the best image and explanation. If you wanna add that up to the next level, maybe they have to justify it and explain that best image out loud. So again, really fun for vocabulary words where students add a different image depending on the vocabulary word that they're working on concept. And then the students, the other students would vote for who the winner is. Um, and then maybe those students could move on to the next round or something like that. And then storytelling. So right here was a wakelet that I found that has a bunch of different storytelling templates. So you can kind of see here, um, there's just a ton of different templates here. So if you are working on um, storytelling and you just need some templates, a lot of these are created by Matt Miller with Ditch That Textbook, um, but just thought it was a great kind of area, wakelet of resources just to help with that storytelling um, that you might need support with when you're working with your students. And then Frary Number. So Frary Number is an edu protocol in using that kind of fair model and that kind of stuff. So what students do, this is more for your younger students. Right here, they have the number one. They have to trace the number. Then they have to circle the number. They have to color objects with that number. And then they have to um, use the tape diagram to find five 
the number one on that frame. So just again, a fun activity for students to practice some of these numbers um, using maybe some text. So maybe you could add this to Seesaw or Jamboard or some type of activity and students could use this. You could also just print it out. Um, so this is kind of using that math rep idea and a fair, um, fair model idea as well. And then this was um, a fun find on Twitter as well, this revision menu. So I, had, I saw a revision menu and I kind of adapted to what they kind of created to fit my own kind of needs. Um, but this is what I found on Twitter. It was like a choice board and students had to revise some type of writing piece. And with state testing, we were really focused on writing recently. And right here, what the students would do is they had to decide how they were going to revise their writing. Were they going to spice it up? Were they going to use a mic drop? Were they going to turn up the transitions? Maybe flex those strong verbs. And so once students picked off that choice board, <clears throat> they then went into their writing and they revised their writing. So we had some teachers use this and they found it really helpful for their students to go in and self-correct and level up their writing um, that they were working on. And then this is a really fun game. I had a teacher introduce it to me yesterday. <coughs> it's called Landmine. And what students do is they play Quizlet. And students are working on a Quizlet and there is this giant grid up on the whiteboard. And this is what's projecting so the students can see it. And as the students are um, seeing this grid, they are answering questions using Quizlet Live. So students are playing this Quizlet Live game and the first group, or you can play individual, the first animal group that gets four questions correct gets to go to the landmine and they get to place their name wherever they want to on this landmine. Then the students get to continue to play and with that, some students are, because they finish a lot faster, those four students that already went up, they are kind of up out of their seat. The other students are catching up with them. <clears throat> so they are answering the questions alongside with them, but then the next group gets to maybe put their name up there three times. The next group that gets to four, two times. The last group, one time. And so then the next group that gets to eight, might be your lower end of students and then they can go in <clears throat> and they are able to put their name up on the board for that. So it was just a really fun game and the kids loved it. And so <clears throat> we played two rounds of it. What the teacher does is everybody's name is up on this board. There's some landmines up there too. If um, the number for the coordinates gets called on that landmine, this, every single student in the room gets candy. If it gets called on an initial for that student, just that student gets candy. And so then the teacher calls um, another teacher from the school. She uses her phone. And what happens is the students who land on like 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two or whatever coordinate that teacher picks is the winner. And that student or the class gets um gets that candy. So it was a lot of fun. The kids absolutely loved it. Um, so it was really a fun activity. And then summer's coming. 
And so my last share is just these like roadmaps. And so a lot of teachers in my district have been asking about getting Google certified. And so with Google certification, they want to become Google trainers and coaches. And so they were just asking for some organization on like the order to get done. And so right here is like level one, then you take the level one exam. Here's level two, take the level two exam. Complete the trainer course. Now you're gonna complete the assessment, start your application, complete your trainings, and then your case study. So it walks every step. And then there are resources that are provided from Global GEG's videos um, to help you get that certification that you might need. And then again, there's the same version for coach. Um, so if you're looking for a certification this summer and you want to become a Google certified coach, you just kind of can use this to help you track your progress um, throughout your summer. That is fantastic. And uh, I, I can tell you, you know, you are very passionate about this. You, you literally get choked up as you're sharing these resources. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you had water. Uh, we were getting people in the chat saying the same thing. I know, I was losing my voice. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, again, Wonderful. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, always appreciate the things that you share and create and curate uh, from all the folks out there. That's wonderful. Um, John, it looks like you did put together the form um, for the, uh, I'll go ahead and I can share my screen because I'm going to be doing my show and tell and I can bring that up, but it looked like, uh, here, share my screen. There we go. Looks like that form is up and running. Um, so below John's show and tell area under the community section, uh, it says that if you're going to be going to the ITIP summit and want to share with other GEG members, you can use this form to include your name, district, and email address so that you can be added to the space. So name, where you're from, and your email address. Um, and uh, thanks, John. We appreciate that very much. I look forward to using that and learning all about uh, spaces in a very practical sense next week. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, hey, let me go ahead and I'll cover my show and tell things. Um, as, just as, as a reminder, Sarah's not with us this month, but do uh, take a look at her Tech You Can Do weekly newsletter for her updates. So I don't have a, a bunch of stuff on my show and tell uh, this, this month. Um, uh, I, you may have heard me mention kind of jokingly throughout the meeting here and there that I'm in the process of, of selling my house and, and moving not far, just about 30 minutes away. But that has consumed my life. <laughs> and so if I'm not doing the things, you know, that I, I need to do just on my normal daily job and stuff like that, haven't been doing a lot of extra stuff because <laughs> it's just been all about trying to figure out, you know, how to uh, process through 20 years of things in this house. <laughs> so, um, so not, not, not as much stuff this month, but uh, I hopefully still valuable resources. So the things that I'm going to share include, um, the uh, resources that I had mentioned earlier about the eval excuse me evaluating online information. Uh, so this is a blog post. I just put the post up today, uh, but again, I did a training 
within the last week on this. And it gave me a chance to pull all of these resources together. And I thought, you know, that would make for a, a good share as well. So um, this blog post has um, the link to the document version of this, as well as the slideshow version. So if you prefer to open this up as a document, there you go. Same information, same content as what's on the blog post, just in a Google Doc format. Or if you prefer a slideshow version of it, again, it's the same content. It's just in a slideshow format instead. Um, and basically what I do is we run through a couple of different categories of resources to help support evaluating online information. So it's, you know, the famous fake websites that you can use, like the dihydrogen monoxide website or the Pacific Northwest tree octopus and so forth. Uh, I've got a section in here on using um, the image search tools. So Google's reverse image search, and then what Stephanie was talking about with using Google Lens to search for an image. I also added in 10i, which is a uh, an oldie but goodie. It's been around for a long time and actually has some other really neat features. Like I love how when you do a reverse image search with 10i, you can do a comparison back and forth between your image and the other matches out there to see maybe what's changed. The point behind all of these is, these are a great way for anybody, but for our students to be able to take an image that they're not sure about. Like, is this, is this authentic? Is this really what they say this image is? Has it been changed? Where has it been used? What is it really? And use these tools to be able to look up more information about those images by running a reverse search. I've got a section here on fact checking tools. Um, I mentioned that I would talk a little bit more about this since we, we mentioned it earlier in the uh, session. I said I, we would return to this. Um, and these are a couple of um, neat resources from Google to help with fact checking. One is their fact check tools website. So if you follow this link, it'll take you out to that website where you can just type in any topic that you are interested in and it will search for fact checked articles on that topic. So things that have been provided by journalists and researchers that are verified. You can also just browse the recent fact checks to see what's currently bubbling up in the news. What are people currently doing fact checks on? Uh, and in each case, it'll give you that information and take you out to the article to then read more uh, about that. And then this was one that was in that same blog post uh, that we had mentioned earlier. Um, it's Google's about this result feature that they've started to add into searching. Um, and so this is interesting. I, um, I think this would be easy to miss. When you run a Google search, there's a little three dots button to the right of the search result. And if you click on it, you can choose more about this page where you can learn more about that site, you know, how do they describe themselves? What are others on the web saying about them? You know, what, you know, what is the context of this topic? So for example, if I were to look for something like, you know, climate change, and I just run a search for that, as I scroll down here, if I come across a website and I'm curious to know more about that particular website, if you just click the little three dots button to the right of the web address there, it'll pop up the about this result where we can start learning more about that particular uh, website. So I think that's neat that that's right there, handy dandy. It's easy to miss because it's just the little three dots button there, but uh, it works on mobile and works on the web as well. Uh, oops, sorry about that. I clicked on the wrong thing. There we go. Uh, the next section in here, um, 
is a collection of digital literacy games. So we've got like Bad News, uh, Factitious, Newsfeed Defenders, all of these online games you can play to practice identifying um, fake information um, and evaluating online content. Uh, the one Factitious has been updated to now include um, articles about the pandemic. So they're using their pandemic edition of that. If you've played Factitious in the past, it was more general articles and now it's focusing on pandemic uh, specific articles. Uh, and then the, I think this might be the last section. Yeah, the last section here then would be online lessons. Um, and these are just uh, different websites and resources that provide, uh, and everything's, everything's free. Everything in this entire list is free. All the games and all the tools and all the resources. But these are more like organized curriculum that you can move through. So it's things like Be Internet Awesome, Applied Digital Skills, Common Sense Education, Civic Online Reasoning, Museum Ed, and a wonderful uh, YouTube playlist from Crash Course. If you're not familiar with Crash Course, you, uh, fantastic YouTube uh, channel. John Green runs that channel and uh, provides really awesome uh, uh, videos on lots of different academic topics, you know, so chemistry or history, whatever the case might be. Well, they've done a playlist with, I don't know, it's quite a few. How many, uh, 10 or 11, 10 or 11 videos that are about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes long each that really dive into evaluating online information. And they're always done very well with neat animation and uh, really engaging. So that's a, that's an awesome collection, but all of these are, are fantastic. Um, Applied Digital Skills, I always, you know, give them a shout out. Uh, Applied Digital Skills is the uh, resource from Google where they have now close to 200 different uh, lessons that are just ready to go online with videos to take the students step by step through learning a digital skill. Um, this one, they have a particular um, uh, lesson on evaluating the credibility of online sources. And so this lesson's ready to go for you. It looks like it's seven videos and it takes the kids step-by-step step through that process. Um, if you do browse the lessons though, let's see, we're up to 192, 192 lessons that apply digital skills. Great for your students, great for you, learning about how to create a presentation or organize your drive, make a budget in sheets, uh, uh, you know, plan an event, on and on and on down the line. So many great resources there. So anyway, pulled all of those together um, in a blog post and a document and a slideshow. So whichever method is best for you to consume that, please feel free to uh, go ahead and uh, dive on into that. Um, next up are the two um, webinars I did for the Google Did You Know series. So if you remember way back at the beginning, we talked about under the upcoming um, events, uh, I mentioned the Did You Know series that's running throughout April and May. So I've done these two and I've got two more coming up. So the two that I did, I went ahead and pulled them together into a blog post as well. So I did one on get, getting the most out of Google Classroom. And so for this one, what I did was, and they, these are short, these are 30 minute webinars. Um, so I talk really fast <laughs> in these to get through everything. Uh, on this one, uh, we're talking about using some of the uh, features in Google Classroom that maybe you haven't taken advantage of. If 
some folks have just been you know using the the basic things with it in this one um i hit um seven features to help supercharge your assignments. So we talk about differentiating, scheduling the multiple classes, personalizing topics, using rubrics, using the originality reports, using the comment bank and doing digital markup. Um, and so uh, all of those are covered throughout that 30 minute session um, and uh, could be a great way to up your game in Google Classroom. And then the other one I did was called, you can do that with doc slides and sheets. And um, for this one, I looked at three cool tips for each. Three for docs, three for slides, and three for sheets. So again, it's fast because <laughs> it's like 30 minutes. You <laughs> I went over a little, that one's 34. I went over just a little bit on that one. But, uh, you know, so for like docs, I talk about how you can, you know, set your default font, how you can do video previews, and how you can embed drawings. For slides, I talked about maximizing space, using live captions and publishing to the web. And for sheets, I talked about splitting text to columns, conditional formatting and making pivot tables. And so move through them pretty quick in there, but uh, all the resources are there for you on those. So uh, definitely take advantage of those if those are useful to you. All right. Uh, other than that, just a couple of quick things here. Um, Screen Pal was a Chrome extension that caught my attention. Looks like a it's kind of like if Screencastify and Moat fell in love and had a baby. Uh, so basically, ScreenPal is uh, recording quick video messages and inserting them into comment fields or text boxes. So just like you can do with Moat, you can record your voice and drop it into a, a text box or a comment field. Or like Screencastify, you can record a video. This kind of puts them both together. You do a quick screen recording and boop, you drop it into um, text boxes or comment boxes for feedback so people can get video feedback from you. So looks like a one worth taking for a spin. Um, the Qubit game is from Google uh, to help explore the idea of quantum computing. This would probably be good for computer science classes. Um, if you're trying to wrap your brain around what is a quantum computer, because Google's doing a lot of work on quantum computing, they've now made a game that you can play that explains the challenges and benefits um, of quantum computing and building a quantum computer. Um, next up, um, if you in the past had used Hangouts um, and liked using those slash commands to do some fun Easter eggy things, uh, they provided a list of these that work in Google Chat now that Hangouts is gone and we're now using Google Chat. So if you weren't aware, the idea is this. When you're in a Google Chat, <clears throat> just like back when you were in Hangouts, if you type the forward slash key, followed by these words, it will go ahead and fill in some of these Easter eggy things, you know? So if you, if somebody says something and you do not approve of <laughs> what they have said, you could do, you know, forward slash disapprove and it will turn into those disapproving eyes. <laughs> those will show up, you know? Or if you do forward slash shruggy, you get the shruggy uh, ASCII uh, person there. Uh, and there's, there's lots of other ones here. Um, I guess if you want a puppy party, there you go. You can get a puppy party. Pretty cool. Uh, so this is a list of a lot of these um, forward slash Easter egg things you can type in when you're in chat like you could do when you were in Hangouts. And then the last one I want to mention <clears throat> is a great new book uh, that just came out in the last few days um, from my good friend, uh, Amanda Fox. She has done... Um, the Canva classroom. So Canva 
Um, I mean, I, I feel embarrassed that I'm so late to the party. <clears throat> I really just started using Canva a few months ago, honestly. Um, I mean, I've known about it. I've had an account. I've poked a stick at it, but I really had not used it. And I ended up having a situation where I was going to be doing a training. And that was one of the things they wanted us to talk about. So I just dove into it. And I'm sure I know, I'm, I'm you know, saying what you guys already know, holy cow, Canva is amazing. It is just mind-blowing and it's free, totally free for educators. If you're using a personal account, there's like a, you know, a free version and a paid version, but schools can sign up for Canva for education. And it's like really free, no, no gotchas, no hidden anythings. And oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just amazing. You can create anything in Canva. And it's so easy and so intuitive. Well, um, again, my good friend, Amanda Fox, put together the Canva Classroom book. Um, it's it's wonderful. And how I could tell you it's wonderful is because if you go to the Amazon page and you expand out the description, you'll even see it's been endorsed by people, including people like Eric Kurtz has even endorsed this. So that's how you know it's a good book. Uh, but it really is. It is a fantastic book. She has a, a, an introductory section that deals a lot with more of the um, the instructional aspects. She talks about DOK. She talks about critical thinking. She does a lot of wonderful educational pedagogy stuff at the beginning. Then she gets into the nuts and bolts of using Canva, and then she gets into practical applications, and then she has just loads of templates that are included in it. So uh, definitely check that out if you have not gotten into Canva yet. So uh, good, good stuff there. So congrats to Amanda for that book release. And that's my stuff. So um, I don't know. We'll go ahead and uh, head on down to our Q&A. And I think uh, that's it. Unless, uh, again, Stephanie, John, if you if we missed anything, give, give me a holler if there's something that we need to address. Otherwise, I think we have enough time to do a little Q&A as uh, our last section here. All right. All right. Um, so under Q&A, um, we always encourage you guys to ask questions if you have questions during the meeting and also to provide answers if you have those. Uh, let's take a quick look and see what has popped up in our questions for, uh, for this month. So the first one here, um, somebody has an HP Chromebook with a touchscreen and um, they said sometimes the the uh, read aloud feature is not working. So what we're talking about there is select to speak. Love select to speak. Uh, if you're on a Chromebook, you can go down to the accessibility tools, turn on select to speak. Basically what you can do is highlight any text and then you can press um, search S or whatever, however you want to describe it. Yeah, it looks like a magnifying glass, the launcher key or the search key or the everything key and the S key. And anything you've highlighted, it will then read it aloud. You can also highlight stuff and click on the little select to speak icon in the bottom and that works too. But from what we're hearing, sometimes it's, this person is saying that it just doesn't work. Um, they'll highlight the section, push the read button, they'll try the shortcut, and it just doesn't work. Um, I have had that happen on occasion. I'm sorry, I've never figured out why that's the case. Uh, I do a lot of trainings on accessibility tools. And so I'll use, this will be one of the things I demonstrate. I'll pull up Select to Speak. There have been a couple of times when I pulled it up that, yeah, it didn't do anything. And so usually I just 
try it again. You know, I, I don't remember. I might have, maybe I turned it off and back on, not the computer, but like turned the select to speak off and then turned it back on. And it, it always worked um, for me. So I am sorry. I, I don't have an answer to this. If anybody else has run into this problem and ended up coming up with something that explains why sometimes select to speak might not work, um, please share that. And I apologize, I don't have anything other than to say I sympathize with you. It has happened a few times during a training for me, but I've always been able to get it to work on a second attempt after that. So I'm sorry, I don't have a, any more to add to that one, but maybe somebody listening will be able to add some tips or tricks that can help us there. Speaking of which, sounds like somebody did provide an answer for this one. Somebody said their apostrophe was not working on a Chromebook. Um, I was Googling about that too. And yep, I came across it. Whoever shared this, thank you. I did not share this. Somebody put this in. I think this is a really good option for what may be the problem. Turns out that you can accidentally toggle your keyboard from US to international pretty easily. I guess control spacebar is enough to do it. And when you Google that, it turns out that once you switch to the international keyboard, certain things don't work. And one of them is the apostrophe. That's exactly right. That's one of the keys that no longer does what you think it should do. And so if you look in the bottom corner, you might be able to tell, oh, it's saying international, not US. You may have switched the keyboard setting. And I guess if the control space bar would switch you back. So I believe that does sound like that might be a, uh, an answer to that one. So, Eric, I've got a question. Please. Just based on that, that last um, one that you addressed, uh, there seems to be an awful lot of things that students can accidentally do um, to their Chromebooks that cause weird things to happen. Right. Uh, and in fact, quite a few of the tips that I'm presenting at um, next week at, I, at the ITIP conference um, have to do with fixing some of those things, like uh, if they accidentally zoom the screen all the way in and they can't see everything, that control right. zero zooms it back to zero again. Is there like a definitive guide that has like um, fixing all the weird things that happen in the Chromebooks when kids do keyboard combinations? Has anybody no. ever put that together? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, sounds like a great resource. Um, I would say... Um, if anybody has, um, I would think uh, Eric Griffith, my uh, my partner in crime from back in the day when we were doing the State of Tech podcast, uh, I know he has done a ton of support for schools on um, Chromebooks, um, and uh, Eric might have something. Um, I think he would be somebody worth reaching out to to see if he's got something, because I know he's done some sessions that deal a lot with helping students on Chromebooks and also helping manage them so that students don't get into stuff they shouldn't, you know, get into and create issues. Now, don't forget, you can control some of these things from your admin console. So like if I head to my admin console, if I were to go into um, the Chrome OS settings, um, you can control some things. So like if I go to my devices, and Chrome and settings and users and browsers. And oh, let's say, you know, I go down, I'll just go to my training one. I'll just use that. But let's say I drill down into like a student's OU. Um, there is a section and ugh, it's so 
big now. There's just so much stuff here. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to find it fast enough. I'll be scrolling all day. I probably should just throw in a search term and maybe I would be able to find it. Um, but there's a whole section in here on you know, what to turn on and off, you know, within your Chromebook, what are kids allowed to do in there? My guess is like, if I, I don't know, if I did like screenshot, maybe it'll find it. Yeah. Like, you know, allow them to take screenshots. Uh, there, there's so many, there's so much stuff that you can turn on and off from the admin console just to per, you know keep students from getting into certain things uh, i think the accessibility um accessibility yeah i think a the lot accessibility of the, um, where we lot can of the come problems in. that they run into are to do with accessibility yeah and um they yeah. accidentally turn something on and then the teacher of course doesn't know how to turn it off yeah now so, I, uh, yeah and i would be hesitant i had always be cautious I would be slow to disable these, um, but the option is there. I think it's great that the students always can access these accessibility tools. If there really, really, really was an issue though, yes, you could say for whatever reason, we just really don't wanna have certain accessibility tools available to them. You can go in and these can be can be disabled, you know, for a group or you right. can, you know, specify specific students that might need those to be disabled. So. And I'm, when I'm working with very young students, oftentimes they make this change and they have no idea what they did. They pressed a couple of buttons and all right. of a sudden there's a yellow circle around their cursor. And there they you go. Why. Yeah, yeah. So some of that, you know, a lot of things can be controlled from the admin console. That would be another thing to consider when managing the Chromebooks. Uh, this next one, I don't have an answer to either. Um, this was my ask. This was my question for them because that, what they were saying was uh, they're getting um, calendar invites. Their teacher is getting Google Calendar invites and they happen to be for Zoom meetings. Maybe that makes a difference. I'm not sure. But what's happening is they're saying that the Google Calendar is automatically declining the invites. I don't know. The only two things I was aware of was that if you set working hours in Google Calendar and the invite is outside of those hours, outside of those hours, it will decline the meeting. And if you create an out of office entry and it's during the time you're out of office, it'll decline the invite. I don't know. I wasn't sure of other ways something would automatically get declined. I mean, I guess anything's possible. I know there's extensions out there that, uh, you know, that integrate with Google Calendar. And I, I guess I can always check that, check and see if there's any extensions running. But again, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer beyond that. Um, so again, maybe somebody else has run into this while watching a live or watching the recording. If so, hey, please throw in your suggestion later on. Do see a, a question here about people having trouble with the Grammarly extension. Yeah, that was it happening a lot lately. It was causing a lot of problems in docs. Like people couldn't see their whole document and it was really messing things up. So we, they were wondering about alternatives to that. And there's a link here uh, to a, uh, I did not put this in, somebody else put this in, uh, but a uh, link to the uh, some information about the Ginger Chrome extension as an alternative to Grammarly. Um, so that would be an option to consider. Now, keep in mind, Google is, as we saw earlier, upping their game with their built-in suggestions. You know, we, we've, we've got, of course, you know, our spell checking and we've got our grammar checking, and now it's expanding to 
instead of red squiggles and blue squiggles, now it's purple squiggles. We're also getting writing suggestions, you know, so Google Docs itself is adding more and more built-in uh, support for grammar as well. Um, the next one, uh, just a, a request for people um, who are willing to share uh, what they're using for their HQSD instruments. So if anybody, if that does apply to you, um, there's a request for resources on that. And then a request, people are curious about what are, what third-party apps are being approved within different districts. Um, I know you said app list. I don't know if that includes extensions. If you think apps and extensions, uh, if that's okay, I did put in our link that we use at Spark for our approved extensions. So these are the Chrome extensions that we allow for users. I think there's like, I don't know, 120 or so in there. I don't remember uh, what the list is now, but I've got the name of the extension, a brief description of it and the link to the extension and they're alphabetical in there. So oh, 130-ish. 130-ish of those. So that's our list. And if that's helpful, that's great. If other people want to add other things, that would be fantastic too. All right. Well, guys, um, we are getting to the end of our time. John, Stephanie, did you see things in the chat? Did you see anything else in the document that got added in that we missed that we should give a shout out to? Oh, you added the create stuff. Thank you very much for adding the create conference information. That's great. I did not see anything else in the chat. All right. Well, hey, folks, we want to do a little bit of a wrap up here as we start to, to finish up. Uh, so a couple things to say, first of all, thank you for taking two hours uh, out of your day to uh, be a part of the uh, learning and sharing here. You guys make this uh, better uh, by being here. We really appreciate everything everybody has to offer. A couple of quick reminders. If you did not sign in uh, at the beginning of the meeting under the, the um, important links section, there is a sign-in form. It's not required, but it allows me to generate a certificate of attendance for you. If that's valuable to you, if that's helpful, please sign in and then I can do that for you. Uh, please do connect with us in between meetings through the Google Educator group um, that we have, uh, the, the, the Google email group, as well as the Facebook group. Um, and our next meeting is going to be the end of May. And I think probably, probably the last meeting till August, we usually take June and July off. I don't know that it'll be any different this year. I have a feeling we'll probably not have a June meeting and probably not have a July meeting. It'll probably be August with back to school. So if we decide differently, we'll let you guys know. But May, uh, end of May will be our next one. There's already an agenda doc link for the video and a link to add it to your calendar for that one. So you can get it all queued up and ready to go. Uh, but other than that, we want to thank you guys so very much for being a part of this today. Uh, please do continue to share uh, this resource out to others and share your resources with us. Um, and other than that, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Take care, everybody.